Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'll tell you, Michaela, every single time I hear that song. Yeah. Shut up and dance. I think of my little sister, uh, Mackenzie. Okay. And I think about the time she came out to visit me in Los Angeles for, for the very first time by herself without our parents. She was a teenager. She might have been 19, 18 or 19 years old. Mm-hmm. I convinced my family to let her come out here. We went to Six Flags Theme Park. And that song was playing uh, during this show. They did the show where the, they basically these these performers hung off the side of a wall with bungee cords. They did these flips and ran up and down these walls and did all these cool tricks. And we stood there. It's the last thing we did as we walked out of the park that park that night. Oh my god, I love it! And we watched and this song played, and she and I danced our little hearts out. I love it. So every it. single time I hear that song, I think of her and I miss her dearly. She's now almost twenty five. Oh, God. I know. I feel Time old. Does fly. My baby sister's growing up. Uh, well, we have a great hour coming up for you um, on our show. We've got Red, White, and Q coming up in about 15 minutes with our political expert, Samuel Garrett Pate, uh, talking about Joe Biden and his reversal of some anti trans legislation uh, that brings back protections for our brothers and sisters in the world of health. Also, talking about the Equality Act. Is it doomed? Is there anywhere to go? And the big, big news this morning, Liz Cheney was just officially ousted uh, from her from her political uh, positioning within the GOP. Uh, that happened just moments ago. He's going to give us his take on that as well as some audio and other breaking news this morning. Uh, Caitlyn Jenner did, in fact, vote in the 2020 election. Lord. Even though she went on camera and said she skipped it completely and went golfing, why would she say that? Yeah. I think I think I know why. I think she probably voted for Donald Trump and didn't want to admit it on camera. I think so, too. Uh, but Samuel Garrett-Pate is going to give us his political uh, expertise on that topic as well. A lot to cover this hour. Uh, but right now it is time for News on the Beat. Michaela, what do you have for us? Well, let's talk. Representative Liz Cheney, the number three House Republican, has been ousted from her position as chair of the House GOP conference after the body met this morning to vote on her fate. Now, Cheney has been a vocal critic of former President Trump and his supporters and has called out fellow Republicans for supporting his false claim that the 2020 election was somehow stolen from him. Cheney gave a defiant speech last night on the House floor, shaming colleagues who will vote to strip her of her post and calling Trump's hold on the GOP a threat America has never seen before. This is not about policy. This is not about partisanship. This is about our duty as Americans. Remaining silent and ignoring the lie emboldens the liar. Now, many House GOP members are eager to move on from talking about things like the Capitol riot and want to consolidate their party's message in order to try to take back the House in the midterm elections. Um, Now, in other news, we're actually going to uh, talk in depth about this. But uh, I want to find out if if, if Sam thinks that she's getting political advice from her father, Dick Cheney, former vice president, um, and how we're supposed to feel about her uh, based on the problematic past of her and her comments about her sister, yeah. who was a, a member of our community. Yeah, which was awful. Yeah. Terrible. All right. Well, another news, the CDC advisory panel is set to meet today to, 
to discuss whether to recommend use of Pfizer's COVID-19 vaccine in 12 to 15-year-olds. If it does, these vaccinations could begin swiftly, though some already have after the FDA gave its authorization. A pediatrics group found nearly a quarter of new COVID-19 cases are in kids, so vaccinating them and getting vaccines approved for even younger groups could be a big help. And remember that B117 coronavirus variant first discovered in the UK that experts worried about would take over in the US. It now accounts for 72 2 percent of coronavirus genetic sequences in the U.S. Meanwhile, the global pandemic death toll could be as high as 6.9 million. A study finds that's more than double the reported total. All right. Uh, big news coming out of the Brit Awards when it comes to history makers. And as a woman, I just scream. Little Mix used their historic Brit Awards speech to pay tribute to Jesse Nelson, the Spice Girls, and to call out white male dominance in the industry. Taking to the stage, Edward said, oh my goodness, guys, we have just made history. This is insane. I'm really emotional. Little Mix touched on the misogyny and sexism they have faced in their careers in a wide-ranging speech, which they wrote together. It's not easy being a female in the UK pop industry. We've seen the white male dominance, misogyny, sexism, and lack of diversity. We're proud of how we've stuck together, stood our ground, surrounded ourselves with strong women, and are now using our voices more than ever. That's right. Uh, The fact that a girl band has never won this award really does speak volumes. So this award isn't just for us, it's for the Spice Girls, Sugar Babes, All Saints, Girls Aloud, all of the incredible, incredible female bands. This one's for you. Yeah! I didn't, wait, who's this group, Sugar Babes? Who are they? Oh, no, but I'm about to Google them, honey. Thanks Spice, for putting us on it. Spice Girls, Sugar Babes. It feels Listen, a little bit like the same thing. <laughs> Spice Girls, when they came out, and I didn't know it at the time because I was so young, but they were icons. They were like literally honing in on their sexuality, sensuality, female mm-hmm. empowerment. They were making history. That award they should have been acknowledged for, but I love Little Mix. Yeah. We know that Jesse Nelson dealt with um, a lot of mental health issues in regards to being a pop star when it came to her weight and just how she felt all around. And I I just feel so proud to be a woman and I love that they chose to make that uh, an opportunity to promote women. Yeah, I will tell you, I've been on a Spice Girls kick lately. I tell you, I've been going to the gym more often, right? And I realized that the music, the pop music today is fun. It's cute. Dua Lipa's great. Like Ariana Grande's great. They're all great. But there's something that hits different about pop from the late 90s and early 2000s. It's just more upbeat. The stuff now all kind of has like the same similar vibe. It's vibey. Yeah. It doesn't get you pumped up. Right. Pop music from that era when Spice Girls ruled the world, it gets me so pumped up. I know. I'm also 40, so I'm going to what I know. But... I Who, love the no, Spice, Spice Girls. No, Spice Girls are a bop, and you can be any age and be obsessed with that. Iconic. All right, let's do some other. It's a high of 61 in San Francisco today, 88 in Miami, 63 in Kansas City, 95 in Vegas, 72 in LA, and 66 in New York. Now, give us a vibe of the day. Well, first, 95 in Vegas, that sounds like, like a perfect opportunity for a pool party. Yes, it does. Well, if you're interested in that or just going to Vegas, we've got you covered. Head over to wearechannelq.com right now for your chance to win round-trip airfare for two, an epic two-night stay at the all-new Resorts World Las Vegas, and we're going to throw in two VIP passes to catch the DJ Tiesto do a set at the IU Day Club at Resorts World Las Vegas, part of their brand spanking new resort. It's gorgeous. Uh, you have an opportunity to win. Head over to wearechannelq.com right now. Don't be afraid to start over again. This time, you're not starting from scratch. 
You're starting from experience. Amen, honey. Mm -hmm. All right. uh, Coming up in Red, White, and Q, Sammy Garrett-Pate joins us to discuss Liz Cheney and the potential splinter of the GOP next. I am American, American, American. Listen, I'm American, too. Yeah. Just like you, Michaela. Yeah. Tell me about it, baby. It's time for Red, White, and Q. We're talking all things politics. We've got a lot of ground to cover today. Some breaking news just happening moments ago. Liz Cheney ousted from her position within the GOP, uh, her powerful position. Uh, however, we're going to talk about that in just a bit. We're joined right now by uh, our political expert, Samuel Garrett-Pate. Sam, thank you so much for being here. How are you? Good. You know, still waking up, still having coffee. It's Listen, okay, Samuel good. Garrett paid. It's literally very early in the morning. Same. Uh, we do want to talk to you, though. We talked to Dr. James Simmons earlier this morning in our What the Health segment on uh, some of the reversals of the Biden administration in the world of health care, specifically uh, those uh, aimed at helping our trans brothers and sisters. Um, he made some major reversals. Why is it important that we protect this uh, group of our community? Uh, and, and why does it matter to all of us? Well, it matters to all of us because no one should face, you know, especially in the, as we recover from a global pandemic, no one should face discrimination in healthcare. Mm-hmm. No one should be afraid to go to the doctor mm-hmm. um, because they might be harassed or discriminated against. And we know that especially trans people, but, but LGBTQ plus people generally um, face much higher rates of discrimination and harassment uh, when they go to the doctor. Uh, they're the, the percentage of trans people who have who say that they haven't sought care when they've been sick in just the last year is astronomically high. Um, and they say that they haven't sought care because of discrimination uh, that they've faced in healthcare. We so one of the reversals was um, or you know, start of a reversal uh, was minutes before uh was was Monday, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the Biden administration reversed a rule, began to re- reverse a rule that the Trump administration had put into effect to undermine non-discrimination protections in the Affordable Care Act. So during the Obama administration, they passed the Affordable Care Act, and then they implemented a rule that said that the Affordable Care Act bans discrimination on the basis of sex in healthcare. That should include sexual orientation and gender identity. But the rule went farther than that. And what the Biden administration did on Monday was begin to reverse the part of the rule that dealt with sexual orientation and gender identity. The rule itself, under the Trump administration, what they rolled back also included discrimination on the basis of pregnancy, right? So someone who's either pregnant now or or has sought reproductive care in the past, like an abortion. Um, Discrimination against people who are patients who have limited English proficiency, right? Mm. So the Affordable Care Act under the Obama era rule, said that healthcare providers had to provide language access to patients who, um, you know, who may not be proficient in English. The Trump administration tried to roll that back. Of right? course wow. they did. Um, You're talking so, about so are, are, there are there, this rule is much broader. Yeah. It also deals with people with chronic illnesses like HIV. So yes, very great first steps on Monday when the Biden administration began to reverse the Trump era rule, but. You know, Equality California sued the Trump administration to block this rule. And 
you know, our suit continues because there's still more that the Biden administration needs to do in order to roll back to to reverse the really discriminatory rule that the Trump administration. I believe you're referring to is a section 1557 of the Affordable Care Act, which I think is what Dr. James Simmons was talking to earlier this morning. That's that's absolutely true. Yeah, because we want to ask. Right. So section 1550. It will, to be honest, is the Equality Act doomed? Well, I think that's a that's a separate question, right? The Affordable Care Act bans discrimination on the basis of sex, national origin, um, and, and, and disability in healthcare, right? Uh-huh. In addition to some other categories, the Obama administration interpreted those broadly to cover LGBTQ people, people who are pregnant or have sought an abortion in the past, um, people who have limited English proficiency, people living with long-term chronic illnesses like HIV. The Trump administration rolled, tried to roll back those protections. The Biden administration on Monday reversed, began to reverse part of that just for sexual orientation, gender identity. We want to see them go all the way and address the entire Trump era rule, which was discriminatory and dangerous, especially because it was rolled out in the middle of a global pandemic. So as Michaela referenced, though, taking what, you know, bringing back, so basically rolling back uh, some of these protections or bringing them back, uh, the ones that rolled back by Donald Trump in the Affordable Care Act, uh, what protections will be added if the Equality Act were to pass? Like what additionally would our community get? Uh, and is is there still a chance that the Equality Act could happen? There's definitely still a chance that the Equality Act could happen. It, there's only a chance that the Equality Act will happen in this Congress if the Senate reforms the filibuster, um, which is why we want them. We want to see them reform the filibuster. Um, but but the Equality Act would provide broad protections in law um, against discrimination on the basis of sexual orientation and gender identity. That's very important. My point is the Affordable Care Act already bans such discrimination in law, um, and yet the Trump administration tried to roll back those protections. Mm. The Biden administration is now starting to reverse the Trump administration's discriminatory rule. But but there's a difference between the law and regulations, right? right? The law already bans discrimination on the basis of sexual orientation and gender identity in healthcare um, under the Affordable Care Act. The Trump administration was violating the law by interpreting sex much more narrowly than the Obama administration has. Now, the Biden administration has started to reverse that. So we already have those protections in healthcare in law. Um, yes, the Equality Act would make it explicit, right? So no future president could say, ah, well, you know, we're not going to uh, interpret sex to include sexual orientation and gender identity. Equality Act, very important. We need to pass it. But what we're, t- but but I think it's really important that we that we hold the Biden administration accountable here. Um, in, in reversing all of the damage done by the Trump administration's action here. As I said, it's not just protections from discrimination on the basis of sexual mm-hmm. orientation and gender identity. Those are important. The Biden administration took the first steps on Monday. We also need to see them go back and fully protect people who you know, have limited English proficiency, right? Might go to the doctor and not understand um, what they're being told because they don't speak fluent English. Um, We need to have the Biden administration reverse the parts of that rule that hurt people with chronic illnesses like HIV. That certainly impacts our community. Right. Um, That's those pieces of the puzzle, though, aren't addressed in the Equality Act. 
they're addressed in the Affordable Care Act and those regulations. Well, the Biden administration needs to protect those people from discrimination. Sam McGarrett, we want to continue the conversation with you as we discuss Liz Cheney being ousted after she shames colleagues who purged her for her disloyalty to Trump. Uh, we'll have more with Sam McGarrett coming up next. This is not about policy. This is not about partisanship. This is about our duty as Americans. Remaining silent and ignoring the lie emboldens the liar. That is Liz Cheney, uh, the former number three House GOP uh, uh, representative. She was stripped of her post just this morning, moments ago. Uh, Joining us once again, Samuel Garrett Pate, our political expert. Uh, she's look, listen. She's standing by what she believes, yeah. And and she's she's holding you know the the GOP's feet to the fire. Is there a long game for her here? Could she end up coming out stronger because of this, or is her political career just doomed? Well, I think you know in a Republican Party that is behold clearly beholden to Donald Trump um, and his loyalists, uh, you know. I don't I don't see what her future is in the party. I think the calculation she's making and that you've seen um, some other Republicans, a smaller number than one would hope, um, but some other Republicans like Adam Kinzinger um, from Illinois make is maybe that's okay, right? Maybe maybe my career, my political future is not as important as loyalty to my country. Right. I mean, I vehemently disagree with Liz Cheney on basically every policy issue there is. Um, You probably do, too. Yes. (laughs) Uh, I don't like what she did to her sister, throwing her own sister, her own lesbian sister under the bus um, in a way that even her father, Dick Cheney, did not throw her sister under the bus. But but Liz did and and continued to oppose her own sister's freedom to marry um, simply for her own political future. Why this, you know, is more of a reason to her to, to stand up um, for, on principle uh, than, than defending her own sister is, I, I'm not sure. But, you know, even if you disagree with all of her positions on policy, you can respect the fact that she was willing to, she is willing to stand on principle here. Do you think that her dad, Dick Cheney, and her, do you think they're having conversations about Donald Trump? Do you think that he's trying to advise her? Like, what sort of, what sort of things do you think they're talking mm-hmm. about? Oh, I can. I mean, you know, I can only imagine. And and look again, uh, no love for me for for Dick Cheney, uh, who is ultimately a war criminal, um, in addition to being the former vice president of the United States. Um, but again, I, I do think uh, that there are a number of Republican leaders, um, especially those who are not currently in office, but but some like Liz, uh, who, you know, after January sixth said. This is enough, right? Like, we're not just going to accept that our party has been taken over by someone who doesn't stand for any of the principles we have historically and doesn't even stand for our democracy. Someone who has perpetuated the big lie, right, Mm. Um, that has led to violence in our country. Um, So, again, it's like I'm not going to vote for her, uh, won't donate money to her, um, you know, would never support her for any office. But I have more respect for her than I do for most mm-hmm. Republicans who are standing by knowing that what the president says is a lie 
um, but continuing to perpetuate it because it, it advances their political career. Well, Sam Garrett Pate, uh, if you're just joining, we are talking with you for Red, White and Q. Now, uh, Caitlyn Jenner has been obviously very problematic, but it just came out that she said she did not vote in the presidential election. However, records show that she, in fact, did talk to us. But let's hear this audio first. And I didn't see any propositions that I really had one side or the other. And so it was election day and I just couldn't get excited about it. And I just wound up going to play golf. And I said, I'm not I'm not doing that. Um, So how do you get people excited to vote for you now that you want to be on the ballot? Because I'm cute and adorable. Like what? Like, Like, I don't understand. Please help us. I mean, (laughs) the outrageous, what's ironic is the outrageous thing here is not even that she said she didn't vote and couldn't get excited about any of the propositions, which, by the way, included things like the future of cash bail in California, um, whether or not Uber and Lyft, um, you know, drivers would, would be classified as independent contractors or employees included issues like whether or not California could uh, bring back affirmative action. I mean, you go down the list, right? Voting rights for, for people who are on parole. I mean, there are so there were so many important issues on the ballot mm-hmm. last year. But here's the crazy thing. She did vote. Right. So why would she, why would she lie? I don't get it. Why would she lie? Anyone, anyone listening should know who you vote for or how you vote is obviously not public, right? That's not public information. That's private. That's between you and the, and the ballot box. But whether you vote is public information. Normally we see candidates say, yes, I voted in that election. And then someone goes and looks at their voting record and says, actually, no, you didn't. Here, bizarrely, you have Caitlyn Jenner claiming that she didn't vote when I'm literally sitting here at my computer right now as we're talking, looking at her voting record. She voted by mail in the last election. Oh, she does and, not have wait, an extensive wait, voting wait, wait, record, right? And voted by mail. I mean, this is just too good. You can't make this stuff up. But as yes, a politician, wouldn't you know you couldn't lie about that? Like, wouldn't you? I mean, look, worst case scenario could well, be a situation where she turned it in, but she didn't actually I, vote for anybody. But she's not a politician. I, that's I, the problem. I, look, but that's I, my I, point. My I, point I is, I don't, she, I don't think she remembered. I don't know that this is like some intentional lie here. I think it's a lot like Donald Trump, right? And and she has been a lot like Donald Trump in this race. Light on the issues, heavy on, you know, the the tweeting and, um, you know, making big deals out of things that, that most voters don't care about, like how many homeless people are camped outside your airplane hangar. Um, but, <laughs> but, you know, that's what she's focused on. I don't think she knows whether she voted here, or not. Here, I think she was trying to get out of, saying whether or not she had voted well, for Donald Trump I in the last election. I think that's very she true. She did I, vote. <laughs> I, think she, I think she knows whether or not she voted or not. I don't think she's she that. May have golfed, she may have golfed on election day, right? Yes. we know that she voted by mail. Could have just mailed it in, absolutely. <laughs> but I think that it was a very, I think that in her mind, and I watched the video of this, I think in her mind she's realizing, oh God, oh God, oh God. Do uh-huh. I tie myself to uh-huh. Trump right now or how do I get out of this? I'm going to say I didn't vote. And that was a, sure, qu- it was a like quick fix. <laughs> Just like she's kind of sort of a Republican, whatever that means. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. Well, listen, we always appreciate talking to you, Sam McGarrett-Pate. Thank you for joining us. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you. Now, coming up, Randy Rainbow has another parody out, and we've got the audio coming up next. Michaela Gordon, you know what? I think I'm a fool for you. I'm a fool for you. You know what else I'm a fool for? Go off. 
I'm a fool for uh, what's popping. Um, well, I've got one for you. And I want to know what is popping. So well, why don't you tell me? audio that matches. You know okay. that Randy Rainbow is insane. Yes. He's been doing the most amazing parodies for a long time, but he really was killing it during the pandemic. Uh, and now he's going after Josh Hawley. Uh, take a listen to Randy Rainbow taking down the Republican Party. Clang, clang, clang went Josh Hawley. Yap, yap, yap went Ted Cruz. Crap, crap, crap went McCarthy. Cause his party continued to lose. Flip, flop, flip went the flippers. Bitch, bitch, bitch went the face. Mitch, Mitch, Mitch went McConnell. As his neck tried to swallow his face. There's not a fact. He's so talented. Oh my god, he's so talented. We're talking about a man who gave like a Streisand uh, vibe to uh, QAnon Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene. Like Mm -hmm. he is the most clever. He's so funny. Uh, And it's hysterical. I would hate to be on the other side of these parodies. Because you're like, okay, well, that's hate, enough. I feel like I would hate to be a conservative just because they have no sense of humor. None. Like, they try to act like we're all about cancel culture and woke culture and the, the liberals are problematic. No, we just want to have fun and laugh. Totally. It's just they're so uptight and have their heads up their butts that they just don't understand the jokes. Yeah. Totally. This is so weird. Well, I think that Randy Rainbow is an icon and a star, and we love to see. You mentioned, it. you know, you mentioned Barbara Streisand a moment ago. Yeah. Can we just can we just settle in on that for a moment? Yeah, Barbie. I want to tell you yesterday at the at the end of my workout, uh, I was doing my last set of deadlifts because booty matters, right? And I'll tell you what came up on my playlist. It was a workout playlist. People. Don't rain on my parade from oh, Funny yeah, Girl. Oh, yeah, come on. How did that come up? And I and I will tell you, my little gay butt was so motivated. Oh, my God, I know. Well, it's Listen not, to it's me. not that little. It's getting bigger. It's getting juicy. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you that I always wanted to uh, <laughs> originate the role of the nanny, the musical, but I would also die to reprise Funny Girl. So It was good. one of my favorite movies. I was getting my hair cut yesterday, and, and my stylist, she's my fill-in stylist because my guy is in Israel right now sending him love and hope everything is okay. Um, but he's in Israel right now with his family, and so she cuts my hair when he's gone. And she's a younger girl, and she has bright green hair, and she's funky. Love her. And she, she's in love. She's obsessed with old films. And now, initially, she mentioned a couple, and I was like, that's not that old. They're like from like the 90s. I was like, okay, girl, you're young. But she was going back a bit. I told her about Funny Girl. She's like, I've never seen it. What? I'm like, how have you never seen Funny Girl? It's an icon. It's an iconic film. It's one of the greatest films ever made. When she's on that boat singing that with that big furry little, what's the thing they called when you put both your hands in it and keep your hands warm? Oh, I know, I know. Mm-hmm. I don't know, but I know. So iconic. I love it. All right, well, we love Randy Rainbow as well. Now, coming up in this next hour, we'll be joined by GLAD's Chief Communications Officer, Richard Ferraro, on GLAD's Social Media Safety Index, what you need to know and how it affects our community. Coming up. Come on. Wednesday midday. Come on, Wednesday midday. I love that our work week is halfway over so early on a Wednesday morning. Oh my God, I love it too. Now this means, what did we do? Yesterday we walked out of the building, we said 40%. 40%. 50%. That's right. So many of our listeners are like, I'm not even close yet. You're on the East Coast, you're getting there. You're getting, you're getting there, there, baby. Hang in there, it's hump day. Uh, it's actually one of my favorite days of the week. 
Oh, I, is it? I like hump day. Yeah. Because I hate Tuesdays. I, Tuesdays are rough. They Mondays drive, is a fresh start. Tuesdays are like, where do you belong? Tuesdays drive me crazy. Thursdays are sort of just, eh, they're kind of a wash. Thursdays like the weekend before the weekends. Yeah, Friday, I can love a Thursday. Friday feels like the weekend. Friday, you're like, and it's popping, baby. <laughs> as we break down our work week for you. Uh, thank you so much for hanging out with us, as always. Coming up in about 15 minutes, GLAD's Chief Communications Officer, Rich Ferrero, uh, is joining us to talk about their uh, recently released safety index. Uh, some warning signs for members of our community when it comes to social media. Uh, and he's going to break down uh, why social media is problematic and what we need to avoid to stay safe. Uh, it's 2021. Why are we still having these conversations? Yes. But they're important as we lost two more of our uh, trans sisters uh, just overnight. Michaela had that story for you a little bit earlier today. Uh, it's just it's just not acceptable. No, it's not. not okay. We're tired of it. And we are absolutely tired of it. Um, but we shall carry on. Yeah. Because that's what we do here at Channel Q. Yeah, we that's do. That's what we do with the morning beats. Uh, it's what we do as a community. Uh, right now, it's time to carry on to some news on the beat. Uh, Michaela, what do you have for us? Well, let's say the names of these two trans women mm. because it is very important. Uh, Sophie, Sophie Vasquez and Danny Henson uh, were slain on the very same day in the U.S. Vasquez, a Latinx 36-year-old, was fatally shot in her own apartment in Brookhaven, Georgia on May 4th. Uh, details of her death remain scarce. And at the time of writing, uh, the Brookhaven Police Department confirmed to community leaders that she was killed in the Gwinnett County suburb. She was misgendered and deadnamed in the police report. Said Darlene Darlington Wagner, president of Transgender Day of Remembrance. Atlanta, now GoFundMe was organized by her family in Graniteville, South Carolina. They were able to raise over $10,000 in funeral expenses for Vasquez. But 600 miles away in Baltimore, Maryland, Henson was shot dead in her home. The killings are the latest to strike the embattled trans community, one of the most vulnerable and marginalized demographics in the country. In the U.S. this year alone, at least 23 trans or gender non-conforming people, most of them trans women of color, have been violently murdered in what both President Joe Biden and the American Medical Association have declared an epidemic. So we continue having these conversations because it is important to us. Now, I am such a girl power kind of gal, and yesterday was a historical moment at the Brit Awards. Little Mix used their historic Brit Awards speech to pay tribute to Jesse Nelson, the Spice Girls, and to call out white male dominance in the industry. Taking to the stage, Ed- Edwards said, Oh my goodness, guys, we've just made history. This is insane. I'm really emotional. Little Mix touched on the misogyny and sexism they have faced in their careers in a wide-ranging speech, which they wrote together. It's not easy being a female in the UK pop industry. We've seen the white male dominance, misogyny, sexism, and lack of diversity. We're proud of how we've stuck together, stood our ground, surrounded ourselves with strong women, and are now using our voices more than ever. That's right. Uh, The fact that a girl band has never won this award really does speak volumes. So this award isn't just for us, it's for the Spice Girls, Sugar Babes, All Saints, Hills Aloud. This one's for you. Now, the group went on to thank former Little Mix member Jesse Nelson and paid tribute to their fans. It was incredible. I loved the Spice Girls. I love Little Mix. I know that Jesse Nelson dealt with a lot of mental health issues uh, while in the band, so I'm so happy for them. What's next? Are we going to give women the right to vote? Are they going to earn as oh, much as men, too? God, Come on. I hope so. Not awards, too. <laughs> All right. Maybe we'll give them vaccines because oh, the CDC advisory panel 
is set to meet today to discuss whether to recommend use of Pfizer's COVID-19 vaccine in 12 to 15-year-olds. If it does, these vaccinations could begin swiftly, though some already have after the FDA gave its authorization. A pediatrics group found nearly a quarter of new COVID-19 cases are in kids, so vaccinating them and getting vaccines approved for even younger groups could be a big help. And remember the B117 coronavirus variant first discovered in the UK that experts worried would take over in the US. It now accounts for 72% of coronavirus genetic sequences in the US. Meanwhile, the global pandemic death toll could be as high as 6.9 million. A study finds that's more than double the reported total. Now rounding out news on the beat this hour, Representative Liz Cheney, the number three House Republican has been ousted from her position as a chair of the House GOP conference after the body met this morning to vote on her fate. Cheney has been a a vocal critic of former President Trump and his supporters and has called out fellow Republicans for supporting his false claim that the 2020 election was somehow stolen from him. Cheney gave a defiant speech last night on the House floor, shaming colleagues who will vote to strip her of her post and calling Trump's hold on the GOP a threat America has never seen before. Uh... That was turned into a podcast. So if you missed it, go ahead and just download the podcast at odyssey.com. For now, let's do a little weather. It's going to be, what's it going to be here in uh, New York? 66 in New York today. High of 73 in LA. 97 in Vegas. 100 in Palm Springs. And 73 in Houston. I want to go to Vegas. Let's go to Vegas. I have an opportunity for our listeners. uh, Not for you, Michaela, but it is your hometown, so you can just go if you feel like it. Come on! Head over to wearechannelq.com right now because Vegas is open for business and we want to help you get down to business poolside with Tiesto. Uh, We're going to throw in two VIP passes to catch Tiesto set at the IU Day Club, part of the brand new Resorts World Las Vegas. But how are you going to get there? Well, we've got that covered, too. We've got round-trip airfare for two. But where are you going to stay? Come on. We've got that covered, too. We've got two <laughs> nights at the epic, brand-new Resorts World Las Vegas. It's phenomenal. Head over to wearechannelq.com right now. You're running out of time, but you can still win those tickets. Love to see it. All right, well, coming up as members of the LGBTQ plus community, uh, should we avoid social media? We're joined by GLAD's Chief Communications Officer, Rich Ferrero, coming up next. Welcome back to the Morning Beat. Uh, We just saw a report come out that uh, apparently GLAAD's inaugural social media safety index was just released. uh, And they're saying that effectively uh, Twitter, TikTok, YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, basically all of our favorite platforms Mm -hmm. on social media are unsafe for LGBTQ plus users. So here to help break that down and explain what exactly that means is the Chief Communications Officer for GLAAD, Rich Ferreira. Thank you, Rich, for being here. How are you? Thank you so much, Rich. Doing well. How are both of you? I'm so excited to to be with both of you. I'm a big fan. Oh, oh thank yeah. you. That means... Well, go off, Rich. Hold on. Let's take a moment. Wow, let's just let him talk about us for <laughs> a while on. then. No, this, just kidding. This rarely happens. Most people are dying to get off yeah, the air. Yeah, like, please stop. We don't yeah. want to talk to you anymore. <laughs> but this... I mean, this... Big this... fan of the show, and Michaela, your songs are still on my iPhone, and they're one of them, some of the most played on my iPhone. So I'm really excited to chat with both of you about this. Oh, Rich, God, Rich, you're listen. You're icon. I'm We're going nev- to the Abbey after I'm this. I'm never going to hear the end of this from this well, one. She thinks she's famous. You basically just did the equivalent of giving her an Emmy in her mind. That's what just happened. Listen, AJ was my best friend, but Rich, I don't know. It's leaving me and you now, baby. <laughs> okay, Rich, let's get down to business. Now, this is a very yeah. serious report. This is a very serious study yeah, that was is. done by GLAAD. Uh, what exactly does this mean? Do we need to, to delete all of our social media apps right now? No, absolutely not. Please don't. Like Social media is such a critical place for the LGBTQ community to connect, and there's so much positive um, 
content on social media and ways that we connect with each other. But there's also a lot of harms that social media is um, right at the root of. That is misinformation and disinformation. We saw that around the election. We're seeing that around the disgusting and dangerous anti-trans bills. It's around the hate, the hate speech and harassment. Um, the Anti-Defamation League, the ADL, uh, released a really um, shocking and alarming report earlier this year that found that 64% of LGBTQ users on social media experience hate and harassment. The general public, that number is in the 40s, but for our community, it's in the 60s. We are the most, um, we are the, the biggest um, victims of hate and harassment online. So at GLAAD, we have a long history, of course, of working in Hollywood, working in news media and all forms of media to create change. And at GLAAD, for the last few years, we've, we've thought to ourselves, how can we um, create a safer social media environment for LGBTQ people and hold the social media platforms accountable for the misinformation, for the hate and harassment. And um, what we've done with this report that went live um, earlier this week was to create a roadmap for them. We assembled um, kind of the Avengers of tech, if you will, um, leaders in tech who um, sit at the intersection of tech and LGBTQ identity like Kara Swisher and Maria Ressa, academics from Stanford University and um, from UCLA. We brought them together as an advisory committee and did our own research um, to figure out a roadmap for social media platforms to create safer spaces. They can do that. Well, I think Instagram just did a big thing yesterday. Did you see what they did yesterday? Yeah, well, Instagram is acknowledging pronouns. I think that it's very important. I will say, uh, just as an example, I was impersonating Melania Trump and I garnished a certain type of crowd. When I started introducing my girlfriend as my partner and and as myself on my social media, a, a certain platform... The hate was unbelievable. And actually, I felt so bad for my partner. I had to delete a lot of comments. And it was really, that was my very, very first time dealing with that kind of LGBTQ hate. And I was shocked that in 2021, we really are still dealing with that. Yep. And um, you can also draw a direct line to like the misinformation that is around on Facebook and on Twitter and the, the videos on YouTube all of that misinformation, um, you could draw a direct line from that to some of the anti-trans legislation that we're seeing. People really believe what they read on social media, and now they're believing that there's a need to unnecessarily bar trans students from sports. It's wild, but it's happening in such an alarming rates. And and to your comment, Michaela, like we always say, there's like the mantra of don't read the comments, right, if you post something. But as Queer people, we should be able to read the comments. It's on the social media platforms to protect us from hate and harassment that crosses the line. And what we found in this report is that a lot of them have really strong policies when it comes to content. So on YouTube, for instance, um, they bar uh, content that is dehumanizing. Mm -hmm. But YouTube right now, that can be really subjective. And YouTube is drawing the line on what is dehumanizing, what is not. So we found some really disgusting and egregious videos when we were researching this report. Um, One of our lead researchers, when she was looking into this, broke down in in tears because of the, the violence and the hate, the violence and the hatred that exists. But YouTube told us, that's not dehumanizing some of the videos oh that we God. flagged. So yeah, I feel what like we want is like, 
do better, guys. <laughs> yeah, well, I feel like social media is such a mixed bag when it comes to these sorts of things. I was saying just last week, I commented on a friend of mine. Uh, he's a comedian mm-hmm. and he's awesome. And I said, he posted a really stupid video and it was, it was literally supposed to just get laughs. I said, you're so stupid with some laughing emojis. He's a friend. It was stupid as a, as a compliment. And Instagram tried to block me from even posting the word stupid, yet they get away wow. with, people get away with posting hateful stuff all the time. Whenever I post a photo photo with my fiance, who happens to be black, uh, we get it's interesting because we get more likes than any other photo. But every single time either of us post, we lose followers. So it's really the social media is really a mixed bag. And the disgusting part is that they're profiting off of a lot of this hate. So a lot mm-hmm. of the videos that are anti-LGBTQ in nature that go viral or the fact that there is um, that there is such um, hate and harassment on a lot of the posts from our community. Um, instead of taking action, they're taking dollars from it right now. They are doing some, um, and we've uh, briefed them on this report before it came out. And there was a lot of interest in, okay, how can we work together to um, to make create better spaces for LGBTQ community? So I'm hopeful, but also I've been kind of our, uh, glad I've been our lead go-between between some of these platforms and glad when issues like this arise or when there's content that members of the community flag for glad and it takes them a really long time to take action. So I think with this report, what we're hoping to do is create some accountability um, because to your point, every time a queer person posts something, they shouldn't have to worry about hate and harassment. Yeah. We should be able to enjoy social media like others. Well, if you're just tuning in, we are with GLAD's Chief Communications Officer, Rich Ferraro. Speaking of these big tech companies, what you're doing is incredible, but what can we do or what can we start demanding from these giant tech people to sort of take our power back because like you and AJ said, we should be able to read those comments, but also sometimes we have to, it's our job to engage. And I don't want to feel anxiety every time I go into the comments section or post anything and nor should anybody else. Yeah. And and you shouldn't. And I don't think that our community should either. I think it's so important and it's on us to create some of these safe spaces. It's what queer people have done since the onset of social media so many years ago, is that we can create safe and welcoming spaces for our own community on these spots. So um, it's really important to um, follow LGBTQ leaders on social media, share positive and share factual information. Those are really easy things that we could do as individuals that will affect all of our own followers, right? And then when you do see hate and harassment, it's really important to flag that. The onus should not be on us as individuals to do so, but right now it is. And I think the more that the social media companies hear from members of our community when we flag those using their reporting tools right now, um, the the better chance we have of making um, queer safety on social media a, a priority for them. Right now, they're dealing with so much in terms of potential regulation in D.C., in terms of um, misinformation about COVID-19's vaccines and the election, we need to make sure that LGBTQ issues don't get lost in the mix and that they continue to take real action to create a safer spot for us. Well, Rich, we really appreciate you uh, joining us, and we hope that we can reach out to you again to have these very important conversations. Thank you for everything that you're doing for our community. Yeah, thank you both. Great no, to be here. Now meet you at the okay? Yeah. Don't worry. We're yeah. best friends. Me yeah, and you are best friends. Listen to your okay? music again Love on, you, babe. His, on his iPhone. Yeah, well, I'm going to his house right after this. So <laughs> we're best friends now. All right, coming up, uh, Jazz Jennings' book was read to first graders. And although the school received backlash, they came up really hard for our LGBTQ community in defense. And we discuss coming up. Listen, I'm ready for this conversation. We're talking Jazz Jennings. Yes, we're ready. Uh, Jazz Jennings' book was read to first graders. The school faced backlash. 
Um, but that did something that not everybody sort of expected. So the book is called I Am Jazz. It's a 2014 autobiographical children's book about Jazz Jennings' life as a youth transgender girl, or as a young transgender girl, and uh, the precursor to the wildly popular TLC reality show of the same name, which many people now know, right? Not a lot of people realize there was a book first. Jazz is no stranger to controversy, right? No. In 2020, in fact, uh, I Am Jazz was named one of the most banned and challenged books of the decade. Wow. A distinction that uh, Jazz took as uh, both disappointing and honorable. Well, that pattern is continuing in 2021. Uh, there's a school in Bellingham, Washington. The the books reading by a teacher to her first grade class uh, has sort of jostled a hornet's nest, if you will, according to this article. But with uh, most of the buzz apparently coming from outside of the community, which is oftentimes the case. Uh, now, a longtime district parent said, in my experience, our community is a really unique pocket of acceptance and appreciation for diversity in all of its forms. So the vitriol being sort of thrown at these educators from the outside communities uh, is really sort of uh, been just pretty shocking to them. Yeah. They're pretty liberal. They're right. progressive here in this town, right? Well, the school district spokesperson, Dana Smith, told uh, the local newspaper, we're getting all kinds of messages, including some that are more hateful Targets also include president of the school board uh, who has called out in a story, um, and they're saying sex isn't something to be ashamed of. That's how they're responding. But this town is saying, listen, we don't want the hatred. We don't want it. Like You guys can have your opinions about what you think should be taught to our children, Mm -hmm. but we're here for it. So back the F off, basically. Yeah. They're standing by this teacher's choice to read this book to first graders, which I think is powerful because with that many voices start converging on one, one, you know, a conversation, one one hot button issue, it's easy to back down and say, okay, we respect that. We're going to yeah, back off. Right. But this school board and this superintendent is backing this teacher, with it, which I think is really cool. Well, here's what's really great. I think that a lot of people want to do, quote unquote, the right thing uh, or to educate children or other people. But I think sometimes people are just really scared. And sometimes it just takes that one person to not only do it, but then be backed by their school to give other people the confidence to say, hey, this is really important material. I think that children should know about it. Listen, I talk to a lot of friends who think uh, on one side, trans is like absolutely not a thing. And then I was just with my trans girlfriends this week. And I think that it's, A slow process for a lot of trans men and women, not necessarily because they didn't always know, but because it's very difficult. I have a friend right now who uh, was a drag queen, did very well on Drag Race, was a dancer, singer, and they're in the middle of their, or they're in the very, very beginning stages of their um, transition from male to female. And I said, well, are you excited? Do you feel relief? And they said, no, I don't because I know that my parents are going to have a really hard time with it, but I just want to be true to myself. Mm. And imagine living a life like that where you aren't accepted by your parents or the people surrounding you. And so it's like a struggle to even be yourself. And so to be taught this literature or or have stories like this be told, it would save so many people a lifetime of destruction and drug abuse and alcohol abuse and homelessness. I mean, really. I remember a few years ago, and, and just for reference, Jazz Jennings is only 20 years old still. Amazing. She wrote this book when she was like 13, 14 years old. I mean, She's just think amazing. about that. Also launched Trans Kids Purple Rainbow Foundation at the age of 
13? Wow. Bonkers. Wow. That, that the, these young people are so... And, and she would not have been able to do that had she not had support by somebody else. Parents, teachers, well, her parents community so members. parents were so supportive. Incredible, right? My partner and I were at a, a place a few years ago, maybe four or five years ago now, and we were having a breakfast or coffee or something. And there were just a bunch of books sitting out, you know, as they often are at coffee shops. And one of them uh, was about trans kids. It wasn't I Am Jazz, but it was also about just like, speaking to kids about trans issues and things like that. Yeah. And we sat there and we read that book. It was a little, it's a kid's book. It took a few minutes. And both looked at each other and like neither of us, neither of us are trans. We're both cis right. gay men, yeah. right? And we looked at each other and we almost had tears in our eyes because we were just like so blown away that this sort of thing even existed. Yeah. Like that it's even out there, that it's getting published, and which is why it's so important that these teachers and, and administrators in this community are standing by the decision to share this story because it's a story of a human. Whether you agree with it or understand it or live the experience or not, if we're only taught the things that we experience – we would all miss out on so much. Absolutely. Well, listen, I love that we had this conversation and I'm so thankful that the school backed the teacher and the teacher was willing to take that first step, which is a very scary one. That's but courageous. So, so necessary. Mm. Now, coming up, breaking news with Ellen DeGeneres. Find out the uh, latest with her talk show and where it's headed coming up next. Major breaking news this morning and what's popping Michaela Gordon. Take it away. Okay, so this is wild. I don't think that it's completely shocking per se, uh, but the queen of talk shows and uh, part of our community, Ellen DeGeneres, is planning to end her talk show in 2022. She said, when you're a creative person, you constantly need to be challenged. And as great as this show is and as fun as it is, it's just not a challenge anymore. Now, she's currently in season 18. The show will wrap after season 19. And Ellen DeGeneres will discuss her decision in an interview with Oprah Winfrey scheduled to air on Thursday's episode. I will say I completely understand when you're at a job for too long, you really lose the creativity because once you're not challenged, you're like, oh, I kind of want to go. I mean, 18 seasons is a really long time. She also got uh, dragged through the mud yeah. last year. It was difficult. Um, and it was probably very difficult for her. I don't necessarily think she's been able to come back from that. Mm. I know in ratings, they haven't been that great. And so, honestly, to sit down with the queen, the OG, Oprah Winfrey, and sort of open up maybe about what she experienced would help some insight. Well, I will call her the queen. Calling her the OG, I think that Barbara Walters might have something to say about that. Um, but no, Oprah gets all the best interviews you know, nowadays. I, I, Barbara Walters is amazing, but I think that Oprah brought something so special. She just brought such a realness and such a friendship when mm. she was speaking to her guests. And I feel like she's actually a friend of mine. Yeah, Oprah, you yeah, think, I get yeah, that. yeah. I think that this is an opportunity for Ellen to go out on her own terms i thought she would go to 20 i knew they announced this deal a couple years back for three a three-year extension i thought she'd go to 20 it's a round number for me i think oprah did 25 or something i think that just made sense i mean maybe it was an encore performance situation she was gonna say 19 ratings would be doing really well and then she'd surprise everybody and say okay i'll do one more yeah. season but this does give her a chance to say a long farewell yeah and have guests back in studio which i think is one of the things that's made it really difficult because it's hard to sort of forgive her for the allegations when she's sitting alone in the studio every day. 
you don't get to see her do what she does best and that's interact with people and fall in love with her again and she hasn't had that opportunity this year so hopefully next year she can I agree with that All right. well coming up in our final hour this conversation is very interesting because an A-list celebrity is saying that he believes movies and TV are becoming so boring because of cancel culture I can't say that I don't agree but we'll discuss in the next hour Welcome back to the Morning Beat. Now, Michaela, there is something, I don't know if you realize this, that's going viral that happened a couple of days ago here in Southern California. Now, you were at the beach, correct? Yes, I was. Got it. Did you get in the water? No. It's a good thing because this picture of this fish, it's known as an angler fish that washed up on the shores of Huntington Beach, not too far, eh, a couple miles down the beach from where you were, is terrifying social media. It's going viral right now. This thing usually lives at a depth of about half a mile to a mile, like these things live in the darkness. Okay. You only see pictures of them in science books and things like that, but one washed up on shore, it's terrifying. It's all black. It has sharp teeth. Like It looks like a little vampire. Where are you seeing this? I don't know. Go on our We Are Channel Q uh, social media right now and check it out. I want to see your reaction because this thing is, what would you do? Everybody, while you're listening, go to Instagram right now. We Are Channel Q. I would do nothing. Look at our Insta story, and I want to know, Respond. What would you do if you came across this thing in the water? How would you react? I want to know. Respond on our Instagram right now. Michaela, what would you do? If that thing came swimming at you, how would you react? Wait, what is this? See? It's an anglerfish. They're terrifying. Scary stuff. But is that his tail or is that like a claw situation? I think it's a claw. I don't know. It's a little light that uh, hangs in front of the fish to attract other smaller fish to eat. And so they can see where they can go in the darkness a mile under the water. Isn't that weird? Wait, are those his eyes? Yes, yes, on the side, yes. That's his mouth? Yes. And that's his little light? Yep. Honey, I'm not afraid of him. That's a ring light. He's just getting ready for <laughs> selfies, baby. He knew the photo was coming. He said, this is 2021. I'm starting a TikTok career. Oh my gosh, that's he, a ring light. He's an influencer. Yes. Oh wow. We oh got my God, to the bottom of it. I'm not afraid of him. He's an in- Sis, I got you. Uh, I'm going to go get this little ugly fish, and I'm going to start it. Listen, I got 1.6. Don't you worry. Do you have any You're fish gonna now? You're going to be a star. Since Ruth Beta Ginsburg, your beta fish, died, do you have fish now? No, I have not. Oh, no. You no, I have, have not. You used to have a little farm in your home. You used to have three dogs. Unfortunately, you lost Lucky. Lucky was And then you passed. lost Ruth Beta Ginsburg. Ruth Beta Ginsburg died. Was she the only fish you had? Uh, yes, since me and Lisa have been together. Uh, you just had one fish swimming around by itself? Yeah, but Lisa, like, killed it. She, well, you can't put betas in together because they, like, fight to the death. Oh, yeah. And I just really like betas. Like, I'm not trying to have a whole aquarium situation. Okay, mm. thank you. Got it. Well, now Could we you know. imagine me trying to keep a, an aquarium together? My cousin <laughs> has an aquarium. My cousin. I went to meet their baby for the first time. They had this full aquarium. And I was like, this is the most interesting thing I've ever seen. Like, how do you keep this clean? I think they're fascinating. I, I like think the ones incredible. where you can look through a house. Like, and they're, they're like a wall, and you can see through into another room. Those are my favorite kind. I would never have one, though. <gasps> do you want to hear a funny story about Lisa? Yes. This is a great story. They used to have an aquarium when she was little. And she was Saturday morning watching TV. Oh, my God, Lisa, I love you so much, you stupid idiot. She was like six years old. She's sitting there, and she's like, oh, I'm cold. So she put her blanket around. And then she looked at the fish, and she was like, they're cold, too. So she warmed up the aquarium. No. And went back and was eating her cereal and watching television. And when her mom came out, all the fish had floated to the top. <laughs> and her mom was like, what happened? She was like, they were cold. And Lisa's mom was like, they're dead. Is that hilarious? Well, well, they're cold now, Lisa. Oh, Lisa, I love you. 
you little dumb baby. Ay, ay, All right. Uh, it is time for News on the Beat. What do you have for us? Okay, well, the CDC advisory panel is set to meet today to discuss whether to recommend use of Pfizer's COVID-19 vaccine in 12 to 15-year-olds. If it does, these vaccinations could begin swiftly, though some already have. After the FDA gave its authorization, a pediatrics group found nearly a quarter of new COVID-19 cases are in kids, so vaccinating them and getting vaccines approved for even younger groups could be a big help. And remember that B117 coronavirus variant first discovered in the UK that experts worried would take over in the US. It now accounts for 72% of coronavirus genetic sequences in the US. Meanwhile, the global pandemic death toll could be as high as 6.9 million, a study finds that's more than double the reported total. Now, in other news, uh, two trans women, Sophie Vasquez and Danny Henson, were slain on the very same day in the U.S. Vasquez, a Latinx 36-year-old, was fatally shot in her own apartment in Brookhaven, Georgia. Uh, details of her death remain scarce at the time of writing, but the Brookhaven Police Department confirmed to community leaders that she was killed in the Gwinnett County suburb. She was misgendered and dead named in the police report, said Darlene Darlington Wagner, president of Transgender Day of Remembrance Atlanta. A GoFundMe organized by her family in Graniteville, South Carolina, has raised more than $5,400 of the $10,000 in funeral expenses for Vasquez. Now some 600 miles away in Baltimore, Maryland, Henson was shot in her home. The killings are the latest to strike against the embattled trans community, one of the most vulnerable and marginalized demographics in the country. In the U.S. this year alone, at least 23 trans or gender non-conforming people, most of them trans women of color, have been violently murdered in what both President Joe Biden and the American Medical Association have declared an epidemic. Um, I do want to spread the word. I didn't realize that I misread it a few times, but the GoFundMe organized by Sophie Vasquez's family has only received $5,400 of the $10,000 in funeral expenses. Can we put that on our website, Justin? Or are we able to put it on Instagram? Yeah, I think we can, yeah. yeah or something, somewhere yeah, to support. Yeah, it's, it's really important. If she's, if, you know, a little over $6,000. I just can't even imagine, first and foremost, losing a loved one like that. Absolutely uh, not. Due to a hate crime, uh, potentially. And then also, on top of it, not being able to afford the funeral, yeah. having to ask people to help. It's just so sad. It's devastating. All right. Well, why don't you, uh, let me give you some weather, and then uh, you'll give us You'll your... do a thing, then I'll do a thing, uh, and then you'll we'll do, a, do thing. a thing. Got it. Uh, okay. Wait, I'm still laughing about... I'll tell, I'll tell it after. I'll do the weather. It's a high of 66 in New York, 73 in L.A., 95 in Vegas, 100 in Palm Springs, 59 in San Francisco, and 99 in Phoenix. Well, our listeners have a really cool opportunity to, to uh, get in on that Vegas heat and enjoy the world-renowned DJ Tiesto poolside at the IU Day Club. It's brand new. It's all part of the Resorts World Las Vegas brand, uh, brand spanking new grand opening. We want to send you and a friend there. We're going to cover your air for air, air for air. For air, air Airfare round trip for two, a two night stay at the Resorts World Las Vegas, plus two VIP passes to enjoy a Tiesto set at the Day Club. It's going to be a hot spot this summer. Head over to wearechannelq.com right now for your chance to win. Here's your vibe of the day. Don't be afraid to start over again. This time, you're not starting from scratch. You're starting from experience. Listen, there's no such thing as square one. No, there's not. People say it all the time, but it does not exist. You don't even know how, how far you've come until you like realize all the things you've done in your life and all the things you've overcome. We've all accomplished something. A thousand percent. So keep going. I love it. All right, well, coming up, one major A-lister believes movies and TVs are just boring. Why? Cancel culture. We discuss coming up next. Give me some more. 
So, uh, me personally, um, I am a big fan of Donald Glover. Me too. Childish Gambino. Me too. I think he is fearless. Um, when he did his video for This Is America a few years ago, I remember just my jaw was on the floor the first time I watched yeah, it. Yeah, I agree. But then I watched it over and over and over and over again and realized he's speaking, you know, truth to power and just just calling out some of the things that are wrong with our country as a whole. Well, now he's calling out all sorts of things on Twitter. He's calling out television, calling out films. He says that people are creating boring and less experimental television and films because they're afraid of getting canceled. This is something we talk about a lot on our show. We have uh, very strong opinions on cancel culture. Um, But do you think that he has a point? Do you think that these creators are afraid of getting canceled, so they're kind of playing it safe? Now, on one hand, you have shows like Atlanta, which he stars in for years, or or, um, uh, Euphoria, for instance. Definitely not afraid of cancel culture. They're going for it. But are comedies less funny nowadays? Our films, like every single film, it seems like is a Marvel superhero film. Those are pretty safe. They make sort of political statements, but they're sort of obscure political statements. X-Men sort of made a statement uh, in a couple of their films on like coming out as mutant, correlating to coming out as gay people. But if, if you don't get it, you don't get it. Yeah. Like members of our community would understand that. But straight it's, people aren't seeing that in the film. It's very tough for me because I did. I started doing stand-up comedy in 2014, and I right away loved it. I felt very influenced by Joan Rivers, um, Richard Pryor. There was a lot of comedians that I looked at, even Sarah Silverman, that I thought were just really like iconic. And I have said many times, if some of the jokes that were in that set were heard today, I would be so quickly canceled. Mm. I mean canceled and not because I said anything that was derogatory they were all from my own experience but I have a very dark sense of humor I make fun of myself and other people it's you know I use my own experiences to do so and I think that now trying to be in a creative state having to constantly worry if every single thing you're going to do is going to be nitpicked it leaves you frustrated and I hate when people say Well, if it's not problematic, then you shouldn't be worried. Mm. But I don't know what's problematic now. Every day it's ever changing. it's, It's a moving target. And I think a conversation that we fail to have oftentimes is I know it's easy to look backwards and drag Joan Rivers, Johnny Carson, David Letterman, whoever it is, right, to drag them. But at the time, their comedy was revolutionary. And they might not be might not have been speaking on the issues that we care about today, and they might not have been as politically correct on some topics that we now know more about today right. because we're a more informed, you know, society. That doesn't mean they weren't on the forefront cutting edge comedy for issues that were big then. Back then, just having a woman like Joan Rivers hosting a primetime show was in and of itself a huge deal and very and controversial. that should be celebrated. I mean, look, I, I think that it's hard for me, too, because I feel like also with cancel culture, it's not like a teachable moment and we move on. It's mm-hmm. like it's over. And even going back to like Demi Lovato wanting to have the certain words be different when walking into, like, instead of it being guilt-free, just have guilt taken off the sticker because Uh, you should never feel guilty for eating. Like, I understand that, but also, 
I, in the culture that I was raised, grew up having to be like tough and have a backbone and, and, you know, defend myself if need be. And everything wasn't so easy. It made me a great person. I feel like making everything so like tiptoe, it's just like kind of. I'm going to kind of disagree with Donald Glover on this because I think that we are living in a golden era of television and film. I think that especially television, uh, there are so many options and such diverse options out there for everybody looking for anything. I mean, I mentioned Euphoria a moment ago to have a, a teenage trans character on Euphoria, and it's not even a blip. It's just another one of the plot lines of the show. That's incredible to watch, you know, um, um it's a sin. I was talking about it earlier. Right. Pose in their final season right now. These are shows that never. I t- I've told this story before, but I remember Melrose Place did a, a male same sex kiss uh, years and years and years ago, and I remember they built that up. Fox built that storyline up so big. It was what's his name, Doug Savant, I believe, was the character, was the one of the men. And when it finally came time for that kiss, they zoomed in, and then they the shot was the back of his head. They didn't even show the kiss. And so that's where we were in the 1990s. So without these sorts of comics who were pushing the envelope, then we wouldn't be where we are now. Now, looking back, are they problematic? Sure. But Joan Rivers or, you know, some of these some of these iconic Johnny Carson, I like to think that if they were born today, if they were in their prime today, they would adapt. It's like comparing athletes of today yeah. to athletes of 30 or 40 years ago. You adapt. And I think that they're genius comics and they would do I, better. I mean, I don't know that's difficult to say then because, first of all, I will say that I don't think Daniel, I don't think Donald Glover is saying that all television programming is boring because <clears throat> we've made leaps and strides. I think that there's so many great programs as well. I do think, though, that there are programs that are leaning towards the safe side, which is boring to me because people are afraid. But I will say it's difficult to say Joan Rivers was a trailblazer in her time and then say if she were doing it today, she would be canceled. But you don't know that. Yeah. Well, yeah. Her stuff is being canceled now. It's so. But you, then, how was she a trailblazer at the then, time? At the but time, but now she she'd was. be canceled. Like I don't. To me, I that because doesn't the make culture, sense. The culture has shifted. But because of her, the culture shifted. Exactly. So that's why I'm saying I'm not. I'm not for canceling her. I'm. I say that if she were in her prime right now, she would be up. To, like she would be up to be. She would be out there making jokes and calling out anti you know transphobia and other things i think she'd be doing that now those weren't in the zeitgeist back then. right those right. conversations weren't being had look 20 years from now people might look back at audio of us on this show and say the way that they talked about supporting this community or that community is so problematic i mean maybe i will you say never know. this is where i'm at even just making my record there was a song that i wanted to make it was a very personal song for me that had some spanish in it and i called my former best friend that's right and i said i'm so excited and the song is very personal to me and here are the reasons why and immediately he said oh you're gonna get canceled you don't speak spanish and you're not spanish and i i I remember like feeling like oh my god i'm like suffocated feeling overwhelmed like i can't you can't do anything like why is that disrespectful how is that disrespectful Mm -hmm. maybe it is maybe it's not i it's just i understand the creative blocks when being told sure but i think there's there's a there's a major distinction that needs to be made between paying homage or 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 showcasing uh a, a culture or a language versus Straight up cultural appropriation and trying to make money off the backs of somebody else. I mean, maybe, they're, we'll they're, have, maybe we'll have a conversation about that because I'll tell you what, people get dragged for that. And I, I like how you said it, and I, I don't know how to have that conversation. Listen, we can have that conversation. Si se puede. Yes, we can. Oh. Barack Obama. Okay. Okay, so this, this topic has my feathers ruffled. Okay. Okay, has my feathers ruffled, my plants 
my pants pleated. Say that three times fast. Pants pleated. And uh, here's why. I take my fashion very seriously. Granted, for the last 14 months, I've been living in athleisure wear. And that is very fair. But when I get dressed up, I look good. I like my jeans. And apparently, I'm a problem. And this goes all the way back to 2003. In 2003, there was an iconic, I remember watching it like it was yesterday, an iconic skit on SNL uh, that talked about one specific fashion trend. Oh my God. Take a listen. Mom jeans fit mom just the way she likes it. She'll love the nine inch zipper and casual front pleats. Cut generously to fit a mom's body. She'll want to wear them to everything from a soccer game to a night on the town. And with your choice of ankle length, capri length, or shorts, you'll find the perfect jean <laughs> for even the least active of moms. <laughs> I can relate. Okay. okay. So now, Gen Zers. Okay. Oh, God, they're problematic AF, if you ask me. What do they want? They have a message for millennials. What? Mom jeans are back in. Skinny jeans are out. Okay, listen. I'm going to say as a woman... I ride so hard for mom jeans. But for men, it probably doesn't work for you guys. For me and for women and women's body types, it's incredible. But I prefer the skinny mom jeans, not the flared out mom jeans. Here's what I don't understand. Okay. Mom jeans. Nobody's butt looks good. Everybody's butt looks about 24 inches long. Oh, I completely disagree. I love it. Flat. Oh, oh my God. God no. I love women. And oh my God, yes. And so the fact okay, that we call okay. it mom jeans, I'm disgusted. You're telling me that a woman, let's just say a woman, because we're talking about you right now. Let's not make this about me just yet. A woman in mom jeans, your butt looks as good as it does in a pair of skinny jeans with, oh, yeah. with a pair of pumps. Yes, honey. It You're looks so good. Not true. First of all, women, what it does with the right mom jeans is that it cuts you like right below your rib cage. And where the button goes, it kind of gives you like that Marilyn Monroe indentation. So it gives you more of like an hourglass figure. Then your hips look like so juicy and delicious. But then they're skinny. So then you throw on a pump. They're super flattering. And for a lot of women, I'm offended that they call it mom jeans. I think that just women in general, it's easier to wear a crop top. You feel sexier because when you have like the Britney Spears, if you're not rocking a six pack, you're not rocking a crop top. I think okay. it makes women feel comfortable. I think it gives us hourglass. I think it's there's I'm obsessed with them. So are skinny jeans just canceled? Because my entire closet well, I is wouldn't, skinny jeans. Well, I wouldn't wear mom jean flare. Like I would never do that, but that's because it's really not, I don't think flattering. What's the difference? What is a mom jean flare? To me, that sounds like a bell bottom or a bootleg. Well, they're apparently saying <laughs> that the mom jeans would be like still wide all the way down. Huh. So they're tight and then they're wide. Remember like those, um, they were like popular for the kids that went to Hot Topic years ago. Jankos? Jankos. Jankos, yeah. So those are like sort of making a comeback, but imagine like that they go above the waist. Now see, I wouldn't, I would not wear that. I don't like that. I'm 5'2". I yeah. know my body well. But I think that women, if you're wearing the skinnier version of mom jeans, ugh, I think they're so cute. It's so fascinating. I remember my mom telling me when I was in high school that the things she wore in the 1970s were all coming back. Because kids in junior high and high school were all wearing bell-bottom jeans. And then we went to boot-cut jeans when I was when I was younger. And yet here we are once again. But then skinny jeans, I think about skinny jeans. And you look back to like West Side Story. The Jets and the Sharks were rocking skinny jeans, so that kind of made a comeback, too. I can't keep up. I have a couple of sort of bootleg jeans, I guess, uh, that have like zippers on the bottom. I like a good zipper on Mm -hmm. my jean. I don't know why. I think they're fantastic. Um, My partner hates them. I think they look good with like tennis shoes and chunkier shoes, but I still rock my skinny jeans left and right. 
I can't imagine. I can't imagine. I've tried to look because every time I go to the store, it's like these acid wash jeans that are really thick, thick denim that don't look comfortable to me at all. And they just kind of hang there. And I can't figure out how to do it. I see these kids now. God, I sound so old. I see kids now and I'm like, you're dressing like my friends all dressed in high school. We all have these exact outfits. And I remember my mom again saying, she's like, I wish I would have kept some of my stuff from high school because it all came back. And I was like, you're crazy. I should have kept my stuff in high school. It all well, came back. I don't know how it is for men, but I will say for women, again, there's a lot of pressure. I think also after having a baby or just a lot of pressure being in these skin tight clothes and wanting to eat. And so it's coming back. Not only are the mom jeans, which I never quit wearing. They're also the oversized T-shirts that you also saw in the 90s. A yeah. lot of women wore. OK, it sounds like Billie Eilish is basically influenced fashion. Because it sounds like the stuff that she wears to me. But then even she's gone a little bit skimpier now with her Vogue cover. So is, 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 or is it people like her that kind of change the fashion again? I think it's just a generational thing. Yeah. I think that she played a big influence. I know the Kardashians are doing oversized t-shirts yeah. with sweats. So a lot of like America goes with what fashion is happening. And listen, once the Kardashians sort of like seal the deal, other brands and companies will take after what they're wearing and promoting. And then that's like essentially what you buy. However, I will say I'm so good with a cute sweatpant and an oversized t-shirt with a pair of pumps, which I never thought that I would feel like. But listen, Lord, the comfortability of it all. It's hard wearing those skin tight dresses. You know I love athleisure wear. Love. I can't figure out how to wear the baggy clothes. And also I'm 6'5". So I feel like it's tricky for me. I'm like, I already yeah. have a, my normal clothing is a lot of clothing. And to buy like big oversized stuff, I just don't know if I can do it. Yeah. I mean, listen, I think that, I think that you dress so cute. But I think that for women... Especially, we're never getting rid of the mom jean. It makes us comfortable. Ain't nobody trying to wear the jeans that were two inches above your private area. Like, we're tired. We just want to eat. You're sticking with the nine-inch zipper. I sure am. All right, coming up and tell me something good to Cab and to hold Bride Muddy's wedding dress as uh, there's a delivery of a calf at the reception. It sounds sounds like this tracks. We discuss coming up next. It is time to tell you uh, something good. There's a lot of good in the world, and we think we want to highlight it here at the end of our show to send you off into your day with a little bit of love and light in your heart. I don't know about you, Michaela Gordon, but when I was 22, I wasn't really trying to do things to better humanity or my community. I wasn't really giving back. I was thinking mostly about myself at that time. Well, this young person uh, is very, very much not me. I'm talking about Owen J. Herkham. Uh, They're 22 years old and were just elected as the mayor of Bangor, Wales, uh, making them the first ever openly non-binary male of uh, mayor of any city anywhere. This is wild. 22 years old, unanimously voted by their hometown, uh, had served as a counselor for four years, uh, which is wild, right out of high school, I guess, 18 years old, serving uh, in the government of your local town, and then elected mayor at 22. Where do you go from there? Who knows? Following Pete Buttigieg's maybe uh, footsteps, maybe prime minister someday? Yeah. Who knows? But 22 years old, non-binary, uh, first in the entire world as far as we know, first to openly identifies as non-binary. Uh, that's pretty cool. I think that these sorts of things... Every time a story like this comes out, it moves the needle just a little bit further forward. I and, think so, too. And it too. opens people's hearts and their minds. <clears throat> uh, they made the announcement on social media wearing a sheer blouse with a long gold chain. It looks like some rubies in there. What are those things called that uh, 
that were worn in uh, the, the puppy a cravat. thing. A cravat. Yeah, frilly mm-hmm. lace cravat. A cravat. Oh, your friend uh, John. Uh, oh, he makes them. John, yeah, they wear them. John Lakefeld, they're incredible. Yes. John and Gregory Arlt, so fabulous. Also, they have green hair, so this is a pretty uh, iconic moment. Also very me. into that. Yes. All right, well, this story is adorable. An Australian couple, uh, <clears throat> farmers who were able to bond over their love of cows on their first date, got married last month in the middle of calving season, and then a cow went into labor during the wedding reception, and the bride got down in the mud, sacrificed her wedding dress to help bring the new calf into the world, and uh, she was able to do so. She looks adorable. They're literally helping this little calf come out and uh, what a full circle moment they fell in love for their for the love of the cow Listen, have you ever watched a calf being born it's a wild wild experience sounds intense they pull the legs it's just the whole thing um, also we mentioned this earlier but just a reminder Instagram has now uh, introduced pronouns on user profiles it's so odd because a week ago I put my pronouns on my Instagram profile for the very first time and I had there's a whole process because I'm a verified account and I had to get them to approve it I had no idea just days later they're going to allow this for everyone. Uh, so I've updated mine. You can update yours as well. You can choose up to four pronouns, and there are a whole list of them, some I've never even heard of. Uh, so kudos to you, Instagram. Uh, and thank you to all of our guests today. You know, we had a really great show. We have a great show coming up for you tomorrow. Uh, but we also do have some uh, some news for you, some information on a GoFundMe account that we mentioned earlier. I believe it's on our, Absolutely. Inst- is it on our Instagram account, Justin. Um, Sophie Vasquez. She mm-hmm. was a transgender woman that was killed at the same on the same day as Danny Henson. Um, and they're trying to raise the rest of the $10,000 for her funeral. They've only raised $5,400. So we really are encouraging you. Even if you can't share anything, just share the message to your Instagram. Yeah. Yeah. And let's raise some money for Sophie Vasquez and her family. Absolutely. As always, thank you for listening. We hope you have a great rest of your day. We'll see you tomorrow. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. (laughs) 